Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Cousin Kyle, you got us. Thank you very much. We're on the air here, Target Field Plaza. Yes. Live radio, 1500 ESPN Twin Cities, the launch. Technical difficulties early on. <laughs> that's right. That's. Uh, but we'll make it. That was very brief uh, technical difficulties. This is the McDonald's mobile press box. The Twins will be kicking off in, what, three hours and seven minutes? Uh, I didn't realize it was on ESPN TV today. As, uh, does it get blacked out in favor of FSN, or do they put it on? No, it usually gets blacked out locally. Although, weren't yeah. you telling me off the air that ESPN was trying to twist the Twins into making this a night game tonight? Yeah, I believe that. They were trying to get the Twins to play a night game. Twins refused, so we're uh, we're happy about that. Uh, they, they wanted... Uh, they they do games Mondays, Wednesdays, and Sundays, and uh, you're generally night games, but they switched it to a day game. Uh, so uh, we won that one, right? Exactly. Even though there are new corporate partners, ES uh, 1500 ESPN, we were rooting against them getting this game switched to a night game. It's funny how that works, actually. That's right. Although technically, you and I are employed by Hubbard, so <laughs> that's right. We can take subtle shots. That it, that is true. We'll just keep them very subtle. Uh, Phil Mackey is with us. This is Ricey and Mackey on 1500 ESPN. Average age, 44 and a half years of this team right here. So uh, kind of a perfect demographic right there, right in the middle, right? Well, right yeah, that's sports talk middle. So you are in your mid-60s. I'm in my mid-20s. Well, you and we're didn't have to say we're that. Trying to I pull, just said we're, we're, we're mi- to, average age was 44 and a half. And we're trying to pull show. a demographic that's somewhere in, in the middle, right? <laughs> that's right. So that's how you do it. That is, uh, that's true. Are we going to, we're going to have Patrick Hammer to tell us whether it's going to rain or not. Do we, have we found him yet? Is now, Mr. Hammer there? Isn't he doing, doesn't he have to do a noon spot on, don't they have the news running on Channel 5, then he comes over here? Oh, he's going to He's going to show up live. You know, I didn't realize he was going to be live. I don't want your eye. I'm telling you. I don't want your iPhone weather forecast. It was right on the money for the exhibition game, Rain. Okay. It's telling us 50% chance again, though, so flip a coin, when, whatever that means. Uh, when, when do they think it might rain? Well, it's at 11 o'clock, and what time is it now? 12.05? So <laughs> That's right. I think we're fine. Fine I, for now. It, it appears we did uh, survive the, a threat once again, right? Uh, so... What time did you roll in here this morning around the Target Field Plaza area? I got here about 10 a.m. 10.15, 10.20 for me, too. And there were already people here. It's been packed. Five hours before game time. Six hours before game time. Awesome atmosphere down here. Yeah, a lot of people around already, and they just unveiled the Kirby Puckett statue over here, not far from the Harmon Killebrew statue. Uh, they show, uh, as uh, as we anticipated, they show her... Uh, Kirby running the bases after he hits his game six home run in 1991. 
Uh, here's Hammer, Patrick Hammer. Are we going to have any weather problems today for the Twins? Can first? I can I just for my own job security take that iPhone and and flush it down a toilet? <laughs> if you're telling me you're getting your little your cute weather from your iPhone, and and you're saying it was spot on with the, uh, the well, wait game? a second. How do you know that I didn't just go to uh, Channel 5's weather website on my iPhone Thank and look you. it up that way? Thank you. <laughs> uh, Good point. Now that we got that little uh, argument out of the way, could you tell us whether we're going to have a rain problem hey, today or not? Very good question, by the way, guys. And uh, we've been we've been looking at this. And, and by the way, um, it's it's a tricky one. We've got rain to our north, rain to our south, and we're kind of sitting in between right now. And I would say that uh, we are fine for at least the next couple of hours. That doesn't uh, mean anything. We need 305, yeah. baby. Okay, I'm getting there, man. I'm okay. building up to a big crescendo, all right? Okay. Here we go. So we've got uh, uh, fair weather until then. I think that there is about a 40 to 50% chance of showers and maybe a thunderstorm uh, in and around first pitch at 310 and then throughout the game. Uh it's not a guarantee, guys. Uh, some of these showers may stay north of us, but there's a warm front that's kind of dangling across the state in and around the vicinity of that. We may see a few showers in an isolated thunderstorm. So um, be prepared for the chance, but if it doesn't hit, I wouldn't be surprised either. Where is it raining at the moment? Where is well, this by the thunderstorm way, at the moment? Do you want, honestly, do you, I don't know. I've, I've never mentioned this town more in one day than I did today, and that's Fulda. Okay. It was pouring there all day today. In Fulda, Minnesota. Fulda, well, Minnesota. I'm sure the uh, farmers uh, will find something to complain about, even though it was uh, probably very dry. Now it's probably too wet. I yeah. It, well, Fulda and Slayton got rain. Right now it's uh, raining just west of Mankato. And then up to the uh, northeast, uh, we've got some showers up near, uh, looks like, uh, near Fargo. Uh, that area between Fargo and, let's say, St. Cloud will begin to fill in with some showers in the next couple of hours. And that's the rain we're watching very closely. Again, uh, we've got a couple of hours before anything really gets going. But there is a chance, uh, probably during or just after first pitch. Uh, and we uh, really, if it happens after the first pitch and it's not coming in buckets, if there's not lightning, they'll just keep playing, bro. Yeah, well, what's the deal? They can handle an inch of rain um, an hour, you know, before no, game? they can handle, hand, what, five inches of rain. It's unbelievable. They got this pumping system that uh, when we were out here a lot week ago Friday, uh, Patrick, the... Uh, it rained for three hours, and two hours later when the game started, you didn't have a hint that it had rained. Oh, and well, listening to you guys, I mean, the, you and Joe were talking about, and Phil were talking about how the skies looked like they were going to just unleash, you know, animals were going to be walking in twos. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, yeah, two hours later, it was fine. Are you uh, too cheap to come to a ball game? Is that the deal? Well, no? I was supposed to be there today. Okay. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, Dave and I kind of had a little little uh, meeting of the minds and said, you know what, there's some folks down there in uh, good old southwestern Minnesota who need our attention. Because it was, it, they had some severe weather down there today. Okay. So, um, anyway, kind of manning the, uh, mining the store back here at the uh, the mothership. Thank you, Patrick. See you guys. I don't know, Phil. Uh, if we get the weather guys staying at the station instead of coming to the ballpark, uh we might we might not be able to dodge this, but it certainly looks good so far. Well, if if uh, Wrigley Field Cub home openers are any indication, it seems like maybe once every ten years they have sunshine for a home opener at Wrigley Wrigley Field. So we'll see what the what the, the precedent is set at today for Target Field, I guess. Uh, I don't. Well, that's Thank not you. that's Thank not going to get annoying or anything, is it? <laughs> uh, hopefully. Uh, the uh, we we can't complain. It was what over the weekend, uh, 39 degrees uh, 
in Chicago on Friday and freezing again on Saturday. So, uh, in fact, we're going to be in the 60s. Unfortunately, the best day of the week looks like Tuesday, right, <laughs> where they when they don't play. But we'll be okay. They'll play the ball game. That's what counts. We're going to take a little break here. We'll be back. We have uh, Frankie Viola joining us later, John Gordon joining us later, and we're going to talk to Jim Mandalero from the uh, Rochester, New York paper about what kind of a team the Twins have uh, fielded in AAA this year. We'll be back in a minute with Ricey and Mackey on 1500 ESPN, the home of sports talk. If it happens with the Twins. Brown ball to Punto, an easy play, easy throw to retire Napoli. It happens here. The anti-Punto crowd couldn't figure out why Brendan Harris didn't play against the lefty. Because Nick Blackburn was pitching Brown the balls. ground ball pitcher. The home of sports talk in the Twin Cities. There won't be a game all year that Nick Blackburn starts that Punto doesn't play third unless somebody's hurt. The all-new 1500. 1500 ESPN today, including the website, ESPN1500.com. Tom Pelissero is the main reporter, senior editor, we're calling him, yes. right? Yes. At, at uh, ESPN, uh, 1500ESPN.com. Phil uh, Mackey's contributing a lot of stuff. I'm doing an occasional blog, and uh, we're actually covering the local sports scene on that website, and there's already a lot of... Uh, Good local content posted. You're happy with the look of it? It's awesome. Yeah, it launched at midnight about 12 hours ago, I suppose. So the, on the right side, when you go to the home page, on the right side you'll see a feature called the Sports Wire. And that will be updated anywhere between 5 and 15 times a day with local content. You'll have Twins and Vikings intensive coverage as we enter, obviously, the, the target field opener here. The Vikings draft coming up here in less than two weeks. And uh, Tom and I are going to provide commentary features. You can comment and express your opinion, and it's definitely worth a look. 1500ESPN.com, completely revamped website as of 12 hours ago. And uh, I see that uh, uh, Tom's, Tom, who covered the Packers for the Green Bay newspaper, is already doing a draft breakdown by position for uh, what with, with some Viking what who the Vikings might be interested in each position, but more of a breakdown in each position. Yeah, you broke down, I believe, defensive line for today. Although it's hard to think about football right now, unless you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, who, by the way, yes. is Antonio Holmes trade for the Jets today. Yes. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger apparently going to get off scot-free, maybe a suspension. But unless you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, it's almost impossible to concentrate on football right now. But you can go check out some draft stuff on uh, 1500 ESPN. And uh, they only got a fifth rounder from the Jets for San Antonio. That's what happens when you become a complete pain in the rear end. With yeah, you're not going to find a fifth round wide receiver with the skill level of San Antonio Holmes. So season. now they have him and Braylon Edwards who they got for nothing basically too. Although, right? Did yeah, they get what, Braylon Edwards what are you paying year? per drop catch for, uh, for Braylon Edwards <laughs> these days? That's uh, that's enough about football. It's uh, the Twins' first ever game in Target Field, first real uh, a wonderful uh, facility. Somebody, I I never even thought of this until I heard, heard you know it's it's obvious, but they've never had their own uh, facility. 
No. Shared the shared Met Stadium with the Vikings. Shared the uh, the dome with uh, the Vikings, the Gophers, uh, tractor poles, and everything else. But this is uh, this is what they control. And I heard someone on that same. Uh, it must have been on FSN. I heard it. They were wondering when the first concert would be here because they're having a big one at Fenway. Uh, according to Dave St. Peter, when we talked to him last week, there's not going to be one. Well, they don't want to screw up the outfield They're grass. they protect like the field. You, yes. You've heard what's happened at, at Petco out in San Diego. They've had to completely replace the entire outfield grass because of concerts there before. So I'm not sure if the Twins want to drop that kind of money their first season on repairing the entire outfield grass. I think when you're going to fill this place up 81 times, uh, you, you don't have to go make an extra half a mil on a on a uh, concert? No. Here? You know what the best part about this is? And this is completely different than any season at the Metrodome. And you'd have to take me back to 1982 because I wasn't around yet. But we are, we're still over three hours before the game. And it's been like this for two hours. And people are all over the plaza. There's food being sold. It's basically an all-day event. And it's going to be like this in, to a smaller degree throughout the season where you can come and make a five- or six-hour day out of a Twins game. You can come two hours early, drink beer, eat food. People would actually skip matinee games at the Dome on Sundays because the weather was too nice, and that's not going to be the case anymore, I'm guessing. I wrote about this for the website early this morning uh, that uh, you cannot, there's no comparison to be made with uh, the April opener in 1982 at the Metrodome, not only because of the quality of the facility, because in 1982, we didn't mind the dome yet. Most of us, there was a lot of, there was a, a certain amount of resentment that there was going to be indoor baseball, but uh, not, you know, people walked in and looked around at that big blue room and the Teflon sky and said, oh, wow. But uh, the problem was the team was so horrendous. Yeah. The Twins had taken the interest level in the team to such, you know, while the Vikings were going to four Super Bowls in the 70s, the Twins were going to the in the tank. It was strictly a Viking town. Uh, by '81 and '82, uh, by '80 and '81, were the worst teams the Twins ever put on the field. Maybe not by record, but by the amount of interest you could take in them. I pointed out John Castino in 1980, which was a full season, led the team with 13 homers and 64 RBIs. This sounds like Ron Coomer's season back in know, like 1999. I, they were the Twins. They were absolute. Uh, mashers compared to the 80 twins and in 81 if there hadn't been a strike they probably would have went about 50 and 112 they were horrible so when the dome opens uh, 52,000 showed up opening night 5,000 the next day yeah that was the level of interest in the twins so we, we grew to not like the place eventually because you just got sick of being indoors as you say on beautiful Sundays but you know, this is a completely different experience because of the, A, the ballpark, but B, B just as importantly, the team, you know. And you mentioned that, that in 1982 the buzz dropped off because the Twins were so bad, but I think if you can create a cool enough atmosphere, and the examples for this are the Milwaukee Brewers, the Chicago Cubs, you can go down the list of a few different teams, you don't have to have a great baseball team to have a sellout crowd on a regular basis or at least a semi-regular basis and a fun day at the ballpark. When you go to Miller Park, the Brewers haven't been relevant outside of, what, two years ago they made a run in September but wound up falling short and getting swept in the playoffs. The Brewers haven't been relevant in a long time, yet that baseball stadium is so fun to be at. 
with a parking lot full of beanbag games and beer pong and keg stands is we'll have to get you doing a keg stand <laughs> one of these times. Yeah, um, yeah. And if, if the in the twins, the bonus is the twins are actually going to be a winning ball club. But this atmosphere, it's all about the ambience and the personality of a ballpark, and that's more important than the wins and losses from the actual team. As long as you aren't completely pathetic, like the Pirates, right? Mm -hmm. 1500ESPN.com. This is RiceyandMac.com is the website. 1500ESPN is the station. Ricey and Mackie. We will be back in a couple of minutes. First update ever on ever? 1500 ESPN. A lot of pressure. Thanks, yes, Patrick. Sir. Partly sunny at 62 degrees. Minnesota's new monument to baseball will be the site of the Twins' 2010 home opener this afternoon. Boston Red Sox are in town to help make history at Target Field. The first pitch, 310 today. The excitement level among fans is palpable here at the ballpark. College students from Fargo have been on site since 5 this morning. We left around 1.45. We got here. We pulled in at 4.59. Park, changed, brushed our teeth in the parking ramp, got ready in the parking ramp, and walked out. I was like, let's just sit up all night and watch the Twins festivities on the TV. And Abby's like, how about we just go? Today's home opener will be game one of a nine-game homestand. The Twins went 5-2 and two on their season opening road trip that ended in Chicago yesterday with a 5-4 to four loss to the White Sox. They trail 5-1 and one Detroit by a half game in the American League Central. Tigers hosting the Royals this afternoon. Baseball returned to the Metrodome over the weekend. The Minnesota Gophers defeating Michigan State 6-3 to three yesterday. Salvage the final game of a three-game series. The Spartans won's game, uh, won games 1-2. and two. The Gophers are 13-19 and 19 overall and 3-3 three and three in the Big Ten. You know, the Gophers, Johnny, are mm -hmm. in the uh, former Twins uh, locker room. They have fixed that up and made it the Gophers, uh, locker, uh, Gophers oh. clubhouse. Yes. Milestone loss for the Timberwolves last night. The 114-86 defeat at the hands of the New Orleans Hornets was the 1,000th in team history. They, <laughs> and they got 200 victories, right? Is that how well, that goes? Well, 688, okay, Patrick. all right. The Wolves have only two games left this season. They need to win at least one of them to avoid tying the franchise record for the least number of victories in the season. The 91-92 Wolves went 15-67. and Final two games are tonight at San Antonio and Wednesday at home against Detroit. Johnny, you know, I want to know how bad they were last night. Hmm. The play-by-play -play guy, Alan Horton, who mm -hmm. does all the games by himself, just talks incessantly and is an employee of the club, I believe. Right, Phil? Yes, yeah. that's true. He was ripping them. He's, at well, one point, I heard the word disgusting come out of his oh, mouth. So he's going to be joining Frank Mazzacco on this <laughs> sometime soon. Right. I, I think he was hoping to get fired. If you had to do 82 of their games, would you not want to get fired? He's just crying to be put out of his misery <laughs> at this point. Five Eyewitness News weather forecast. 50% chance of scattered thundershowers, according to Patrick Hammer. 65 today. Scattered showers 50 tonight. Morning showers tomorrow, but by afternoon, partly cloudy, breezy, and 76. Right now, 62 degrees at 1500 ESPN. We are at Target Field outside Gate 29 on 7th Street uh, near the Rod Carew statue where a lot of people are taking photos. They unveiled the Kirby Puckett uh, statue uh, this morning, not far from where the Harmon statue sits over in the main part of the plaza. And uh, uh, we've already had one complaint from CJ uh, that uh, she didn't think it looked properly like Puck, but... 
As I've said, CJ would get, uh, complain if she got Wait hung. a second. So CJ was being pessimistic and complaining yes, about that's something? Right. That, that was, sounds that was weird. hard to believe, wasn't Interesting. it? Interesting. It's, it's uh, you know, even I'm a positive guy compared to CJ. But uh, anyway, the uh, puck statue, I didn't get a good close look at it because there was such a big crowd around there. But he's uh, celebrating his game six home run. And uh, we're going to, John Gordon just showed up. We're going to have is. John after we take this a break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes with John Gordon. This is the home of sports talk in the Twin Cities, the new 1500 ESPN. In his 23 years as Twins radio voice, he's pretty much seen it all. From Kirby Puckett and Kent Herbeck to Pat Mears and Scott Stahoviak. From Tory Hunter and Johan Santana to Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau. Maurer swings and drives one to left. Now, presented by Minnesota Eye Consultants and RF Molo jeweler, John Gordon is talking twins with Patrick and Phil Mackey on the new 1500 ESPN. John Gordon is with us. John, right out here on the plaza. Uh, you know, we had that plaza at the Metrodome. It isn't quite the same, is it? No, not exactly. I can tell you, here's Wally the beer man. Oh, okay. Wally. Hey, go Wally. get him, Wally. Yeah. They're going to come to him. He's yeah. not going to have to go to find them. <laughs> There's going to be a million. I just gave him the bank, giving away uh, Cracker Jacks over there. <laughs> <laughs> Other big spots. All right, there's uh, Wally. Way to go, Wally. Yeah, it's this is uh, a, pretty festive out this here. This is pretty exciting. I, I had no idea that it would be as big as it is. The, the, the plaza is going to be the, the place. I mean, it, it is just amazing. The statues, the gold glove, uh, you know, just an opportunity for everybody to mingle before the game starts, after the game starts. I was just talking to Joe, and Joe was telling me he's going to do his show tonight until 8 o'clock. And, and people will be here at 8 o'clock. <laughs> well, you should have been here last weekend when the exhibition games were going on. Joe had some interesting characters wandering around late at night down here, <laughs> screaming things into this press box. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it has definitely been ramped up since the two exhibition games. It was yeah. fun out here, but now it counts. And uh, Red Sox in town. You know, I've been surprised. Whenever you see the Red Sox, you see a bunch of... Uh, Red Sox gear, you see them show up. I haven't seen many of them. I, I have not seen a Red Sox hat or a Red Sox T-shirt or anything. By the way, are you guys going to be here pretty much every, not every game, but. Uh, uh, no, I know. I'm pretty sure Joe Anderson. Joe, are you going to be broadcasting Joe's, here every home game? Joe's, the thumbs up. Joe's here before every home game. Oh, yes. good. Okay, that'll be neat because this is a nice setup. Uh, you know, look at all the fans coming by and. You know, having an opportunity to see. By the way, congratulations. Uh, 1500 ESPN Twin Cities is underway, huh? And uh, check out the website, John. Oh, we, I we will do that. We got a new that. website. We got Phil and Tom Pelissaro doing exclusive content for there. And they're Excellent. Covering, covering the Twins. And uh, I know your pregame homework, you look at a lot of stuff. Yeah, so. good. I'll check it out. That'll be good. Now, okay. you were over for the unveiling of the Kirby Puckett statue. As we all suspected, it is the home run he hit in game six yep. in 19. 91 of his many great moments certainly the greatest yeah it's a beautiful statue as are the statues for Harmon and also rodney and next year for for tony but uh, bill mack did just a terrific job and tanya was there kirby jr was there jerry bell very emotional and uh, uh, introducing some of the uh, dignitaries and rodney did a nice job with a short speech and uh, i think the fans really enjoyed it but it, it it is a beautiful statue it's a beautiful piece of work in the uh, you know the uh if all the people uh, fired up today and uh, and worked up today, I'm sure Jerry Bell is about as oh. uh, because 
you know, he was Carl Polad's mm. point man. And Carl, he almost became Carl's adopted son Boy, through the years. And not having Carl here is probably having an emotional impact on uh, yeah. Jerry. You know, Jerry told me, I'm going to say maybe 10 years ago, uh, okay, I'm going to Lake Vermilion. I'm going to take, you know, Phyllis with me. I'm going to... Uh, you know, the cabin's up there. Give it up. Uh. Yeah, he was going to give it up. And then he, he just had this dream that, no, you know what? We can build an outdoor ballpark here in the Twin Cities, and uh, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to champion it. I'm going to be the guy that's going to see if we can't get it done. And he, he convinced Carl that it should be done. It, he, you're right, Patrick. He's the one guy that probably has more emotion and uh, more exhilaration into what's happening here today than anybody. And uh, it's, uh, you know, Peter Pascarelli from Oh, sure. I just, saw, I just saw him downstairs. You know, yeah. If they look up cynic in the dictionary, you can find <laughs> Peter's picture. Peter and I go back to when he was covering Earl Weaver with the well, Orioles, and, you know, and which was, will turn anyone into a cynic. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and wasn't he in Philadelphia, too? Yes. Okay. So Philadelphia and Baltimore, two yeah. times. And Peter was even saying good things about oh, the stadium before that. the game. So. <laughs> well, just wait, wait until the rain starts pouring down. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the nice thing about this is if it rains hard at 3 o'clock, you'll be playing by 4 o'clock. Yeah, they, they, did can, it. they can get rid of the water. They so. did a great job with it. You know, they really did. I, I have to tell you, I don't care what anybody says, the absolute feature, the absolute feature of this ballpark is green grass. Oh, <laughs> it is. It's it's, it, it is amazing. It really is. How many of you people have not been inside as yet? Okay. At any time, did you see the Cardinal games at all? You haven't when you walk in, you you will you you will be absolutely mesmerized by green grass. You will be. It's a it's the one thing that, that is the feature because of the ballpark. Because if you drive by golf courses in Minnesota <laughs> right now They're that have underground systems. You got winter kill. That's There's right. no winter kill here. And that's a far cry from 2004 when you walked into the dome and they replaced the Astro turf with the new tech turf, and everybody was excited about that for. Well, for hey, it did improve. Yeah. Uh, now a nice uh, road trip to start the year. A yeah. little, uh, a a real uh, misfortune for our third base coach yesterday. I gotta say. I have mm. been watching the Twins for this will be the 50th season. This is the 50th season. I've never seen a guy thrown out that far at no. third at home plate. <laughs> if the shortstop had hurt or third baseman had hurried, it would have been 40 feet. Yeah. But he took his time, so it was only 30 feet. Exactly. It was a very unfortunate play for the Twins. But that aside, this ball club played very, very well, Patrick. They really did. And, Phil, I, I tell you, they, they didn't make – but one error, and that's a questionable error. I think you could very easily advance the base runners without giving Delman an error on the throw, although the rule book says you'd, you're supposed to. And uh, they didn't make any spectacular plays. I can't recall a, you know, a catch Sp over the Span fence. Span kind of made a nice play yeah. to end the one game. Right. And I thought the the when Roush got his second save, the play Hardy made in the hole for the yeah. second out was yeah. big. Yeah, but, but, you know, they weren't anything that was no. just gold glove you know, they're not going to make place. a statue out of exactly it. right, <laughs> and and I thought that was one of the keys. And then you know, Matty Guerrero has just been phenomenal. As Manny. has Jesse Crane. These two guys. I mean, they, they get everybody out, and uh, Roush is you know he, he he gives you a little bit of a scare every once in a while, but he's done a nice job. Starters did good. Ten home runs and you know seven ball games. Uh, th this is a very good road trip, and they felt pretty good about you know coming home.
John, you lived through Eddie Gardato. You could make it through John Roush, don't you think? <laughs> Not to mention, you also lived through the 2001 Latroy Hawkins experiment. <laughs> There's another the one. You're right. The yeah. And Mark Guthrie, remember when he once was closer? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. didn't last very that long. That didn't last very long. Mike uh, Trombley. Yeah, so. Well, Gordo, you and I have been around so long. I remember when they were going to try Dave Stevens. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, fortunately for the twins, he smashed his hand into the telephone in the dugout and couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, I have to ask you a question here. Now, wait, you, you said you've covered – you saw the very first game at the – As a fan, as okay. a kid. And my who, father who, drove me up here from Fulton, Minnesota, and we went to the game. So Terrific. And how old were you? Fourteen. Mm, Fourteen. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's very feasible that a, a fan could have seen every opening oh, game. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, because, you know, if, if you think about it, if you're 10 years old at uh, the old Met, you'd be uh, 32 years old mm -hmm. at, at – uh, uh, Metrodome, and then you'd be, what, another 25 years? I don't know what my math is, but you'd be close to 60, you know, for this game here. So it, there should be a lot of fans who have seen all three games at the three stadiums. And uh, I was uh, trying to point out today, and I, I did earlier, the fact that this cannot be compared with the Metrodome, not only because we grew to not be big fans of it as a ballpark, but back in 82, we were it was fine. But the team was coming off. Such. Very good point. The 80 and 81 teams oh. were so wretched yeah. that there just was not the same. And, and it, so now you have at least, you know, the best ballpark in America, perhaps, and a team that you can feel very good about. Exactly. It, it's made a compar It's made a situation here that we've never had previously. Yeah, the fans are going to enjoy not only target field, but they're going to enjoy watching the ball club. And, and like you said, that wasn't the case in the 82. And I don't know what the situation was in 61. Was that a uh, 61? We were very excited, but there was, they were still building the stadium, John, because they were expanding it from a minor league park. That's true. You're right. So you'd go to games that year and they'd be pounding. Now <laughs> the, the construction would take place as the game was progressing uh, because they didn't get awarded the team till the end of October 1960. And back then there was no winter construction season in Minnesota. Uh, so when you open in April, they're still trying to add 10, 12, 15,000 seats. And you said you were 14 in 1961 when that stadium opened. Yes. That was your first experience. When I was 14 going to Twins games, and I, this is almost a sense of self-pity, my highlight was a Rich Becker inside the <laughs> oh, on, on a team that won like 62 games. So for anybody who's 14 years old coming to the ballpark, at least you get to watch a team that's going to win 90 games in a cool yeah. ballpark. Phil, I think that is a very key point because you have to admit that the game today is lost in the, you know, the uh, the aura of oh, the sure. opening of Target Field. And hopefully, you know, the Twins will play well and they'll win. That'll be icing on the cake. But maybe Wednesday we'll get back to the reality of watching a good ball club. But it, it, it is amazing that this team is going to be a team that's going to contend for a Central Division title. It could be one of the top four teams in the American League. And that's no slight to Rich Becker, who I'm sure is <laughs> a great guy. Never met him. Yeah, he would have. He would have actually took a swing once in a while. He, might have been, <laughs> he liked taking that third strike. Uh, that reminds me of a Rich Becker story that I can't tell on the air. <laughs> well, there's a few of those, John. Oh, boy, I'll never forget uh, it. What, uh, I mean, what's it? You know, for you, it's just got to put a little, not only today, you know, now you're going to sit through some rain delays yeah. like you do on the road, but uh, just watching the ball game's got to, you know, yeah. not having the din is going to be a big improvement. And, you know, we really, the one thing about the Dome and, and broadcasting there for 23 years, I never could 
adapt to the low pitch. I just because of our sight line, yeah. you just could not do it. You know, you didn't know a pitch was at the knees or below the knees. You you had to just trust the judgment of the umpire. But here, our sight line is such that he'll be able to see that and 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 so much better. And just it, it really feels much more comfortable. And the one thing you're the one thing I'm sure you're going to find out because I found it out even last weekend. I, no sense yet of what's a well-hit ball in this place. You know, no. what's going to carry out of the place? Because Pujols' ball, it, I know the wind held it up. Yeah. But when he hit that ball, I said it might leave the stadium, yep. and it stayed in the and, ballpark. And so it's, 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 it's kind of hard. And the crowd was completely fooled on, you know, they were screaming like crazy for pop-ups to shortstops. So. Yeah. I, I My thought is that I think the ball's going to carry real well here. I really yeah. do. I, 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 I don't know if play small. Yeah. Winds will, you know, be much of a factor, and I'm sure they will be at times, you know, because they'll really be swirling. But I think there'll be more home runs hit than not home runs. Yeah, hit. and I've heard anything right, early in the season, the wind is supposed to be blowing from right and sort of sweeping across toward left, and that's why you saw, and it's a small sample size, anything hit in the air to left field. And uh, Delman Young and company are going to be back to the warning track. But anything hit to that gap in right center, even if you hit the crap out of it and it would have been over the baggie at the Metrodome, it might die and actually hang up for Span to catch in right center field early in the season, but that might switch later in the season, from what I'm told. Yeah, we'll see how the you know the, the prevailing winds are, and I think they're going to be different, you know, from time to time for sure. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. John, I'll let you go here, but one player observation: I think J.J. Hardy's a better player than I thought he was. Yeah, and you know what? You made comment about him going deep in the hole. He went deep in the hole a couple of times, which we did not see in spring training. No, and we're seeing it now, and uh, you know, hopefully his pop is back. You know because he had the 22 homers two years ago and had the offseason last year, but he, he just adds a little more offensive firepower to the lineup. I think he's going to be pretty good. I did read a couple of observations from people who thought he was a little slow trying to score from first. Uh, I, got, <laughs> I got news for you. That wasn't his fault. <laughs> I got news for you. Carl Lewis in his prime couldn't have scored on that ball. So. <laughs> Nor could Claudio Washington, right? <laughs> Thank you, uh, right, John Gordon. Have oh. a good time. Yes, sir. All right, we'll look forward to it. And we will uh, take a break. We'll be back with uh, a Ricey and Mackey. The home of sports talk. We are the new 1500 ESPN. And Mackey, we are at the ballpark. It's crazy out here for the first ever Twins. This is the first ever Twins games. We don't have to count those exhibitions. Are people here for the Twins game, or are they here to see you and look at these little six-by-three photos you yes, have Yes, look. Here? Come here. All the free photos you want. Who wants a signed Pat Royce glamour I'm not, shot? I'm not signing them. But I, yeah, I'll sign we, we need okay. a Sharpie. And we the, uh, yeah, the, the photos are free. The hugs cost $5, however, so... <laughs> Yeah, okay, $10 got, for a kiss on the cheek. I got a story to tell you. Julio Becker just walked by here. Saw that, yes. Now, Julio Becker was a, a pinch hitter, extra first baseman for the Twins in 1961. And if you uh, are my age and were a enthusiastic baseball fan, you remember a great, event of 1961 involving Julio. And I was thinking it was an inside the park home run. 
but he reminded me they were playing a doubleheader on July 4th against the Mighty Whiteys, and he hit a grand slam pinch hit home run in the first game in the bottom of the ninth inning to beat the White Sox 4-3. to three. That was... And I wasn't there, but I was listening on the radio, and it was the damnedest cheer you've ever heard in your life. This is in Bloomington, yep, correct? Yeah, July 4th, the first year out there. And the grand, he says, the reason I remember the inside the park home run is in the second game, Harmon hit a sinking line drive to center. The White Sox center fielder Jim Landis dove for it and went past him, and Harmon... Killebrew circled the bases for an inside the park oh, home run. And uh, that could have been, well, next time I see Harmon, I'll ask him, but my guess is that was probably the extent of his career inside the Parkers. Listen to the difference between your childhood inside the park home run story involving Harmon Killebrew. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yours. get to finish mine. Mine was actually Rich Becker. I said it was inside <laughs> the park home run. You know what happened, though, if you remember what? this. Somebody got knocked out? He or... hit a pop-up to center field, <laughs> okay. and the outfielders had no idea where the ball was. Okay. So by the time it dropped and then bounced back in the air off the AstroTurf, Becker was rounding third, and I don't know if Scott Ulger was the third base coach at that time, but I'm sure he was waving Becker around mm -hmm. correctly, and Becker scored standing up on an inside-the-park moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah I have a better memory exactly. of, a, of a grand slam. <laughs> of course, there's also the famous inside-the-parker in 84, again, before you were born. Uh, Tim Tuffle was playing for the Twins. The White Sox were coming off the 83 season when they won the West. And we're supposed to have a very good club, and Harold Baines was playing in the outfield then. And Tim Tuffle hit a little kind of pop-up out in front of Harold, and Harold came running in, and it got too close to it. It popped, bounced over his head because <laughs> in 82 they were playing on, a you know. A trampoline, yeah, basically, right? right? Yeah, yeah, just rock-hard trampoline. Went over. Tim Tuffle rounded the bases for a game winning, uh, like two runs scored, three runs scored, I don't know. But t I remember Tuffle sliding home, and the Twins had this huge celebration, and the White Sox went in the tank. Was Ozzie yeah, They Gein never on, recovered. Ozzie Gein on that team? Probably was the shortstop. So yeah. his, his Larusa was managing. His Larusa was, memories go all the way back to that. Yeah, Larusa was managing and remained bitter years later about yeah. Tim. If you want to get under LaRusse's La skin, I should have remembered that. I should have went down and heckled him and said, Tim Tuffle, inside the Parker. And my guess is that Harold Baines was never much of a defensive outfielder. Is that correct? No, I'm, I'm thinking Harold is borderline Hall of Famer. Not a Hall of Famer, but, but fairly close, but not because of anything he did with his glove. His, you know, he wasn't a terrible athlete when he was young. I don't know what happened to him, though. But his legs went, and he couldn't do anything. But uh, he... Uh, you know, he could definitely hit. He turned into a he turned into a DH by the time I started. Is he? Uh, unless you've classified Jim Rice, who became a DH in probably the last ten years of his career, is Harold as good as anyone? Um, let me think here. Hold on. DHs at least in the last twenty years. Mm -hmm. Harold, uh, I'd take him over Ortiz. Ed, I'd take him over. I'd take Harold over Ortiz. Edgar Martinez. Yeah, you're right. Probably That's the greatest it. designated hitter of all time. Yeah, one that. He's probably the only one ever that I would have to contemplate whether I'm going to vote for him for the Hall of Fame. At what point did Eddie Murray become a designated hitter? Mm, boy, he played a lot of years at first base. Just in the twilight probably yeah, then, huh? Yeah, not him. So uh, this is 
1500 ESPN. We have launched the new website today, 1500ESPN.com. It's a very good. I was very impressed. Uh, we have Tom Pelissaro doing a lot of exclusive uh, uh, reporting for the uh, website. Phil Mackey's doing a lot of stuff for it. Constant updates. Uh, we're staying on top of the local uh, sports scene. And uh, as you pointed out, Phil, most a lot of emphasis on the Twins and the Vikings. You also made a cameo in the first ever 1500ESPN.com spoof video from this morning. Yes. You did a nice job. You nailed your only line, <laughs> and uh, you swatted me upside the head with a piece of paper. That's right. Now, where? how do we find that one? Uh, well, like I said, if for anyone listening throughout the first hour, we're trying to drive people to the sports wire. So you go to 1500ESPN.com, and on the right side of the front page, you'll see a link that says sports wire with all the latest stories. And so uh, Tom Pelissero is the senior web editor. I'm going to be contributing to the website as well. So we're going to have updates, Twins and Vikings intensive right now, just because of the target field opening and the, uh, the Vikings drafting coming up here in a couple weeks. But you can click on the sports wire, and there's going to be the latest videos on the right side, Twitter links and everything. A uh, former, uh, let's put it this way, Corey Roofs, our producer, is out looking for Frankie Viola, and Frankie Viola has found us. There he is. So we're going to have Frank, after the top of the hour, wearing his Miami sweatshirt. I didn't know he was a former Miami Hurricane, but he is, uh, he is wearing one, and uh, we're going to have a good time talking to Frank here uh, at, the, at the top of the hour. And... Uh, I'm sure he is as impressed as every other former twin who's here to uh, to see the new ballpark. And then later, we're going to see if there's any uh, early help available. The Rochester Red Wings have only been playing since uh, Thursday. Hasn't gone terribly no, well it's, so it's far, bad, right? Bad news already. Well, anytime you have Jock Jones and Jason Repko in your starting outfield <laughs> and on, on a triple-A ball club, you might have some issues. Jock has uh, been doing uh, very well, I believe. But again, as expected, he probably should, I guess. He should be a little better than that league. Can you see them uh, bringing up Jack and dumping Casilla, going with the extra outfielder? Um, he's the only guy at triple-A that, that I would feel comfortable plugging in at center field right now. But I would... I don't know, man. I don't feel comfortable with that at all. Look at look at Frankie B holding Frankie's court over here. Frankie signing one of these. The poor guy. That's not me. Sign on there. That's not me. We'll be back with uh, Ricey and Mackey and Frank Viola. <laughs> Amen to that. It's uh, it is amazing. I mean, you guys obviously turned around everything for the Twins uh, by uh, going. I was saying that when the dome opened in '82. The team had been so bad in 80 and 81, you, you can't even, you know, we didn't hate the Dome. The public didn't. The public thought the Dome was okay. They preferred outdoor baseball. But it was that the, the level of interest was so low that there was 52,000 on opening night and 5,000 the next day. I don't think that's going to be a problem here. No. I, <laughs> I mean, and, and, and you hit it right in the head. It's all about the product. And the one thing that the Twins have done is they got a product now. And, you know, showing what they did by signing Joe to that long contract. Yes. You know, they, I mean, nothing against Kent, but, you know, Kent could be a spokesperson as a Minnesotan for so many years. You need somebody else to take over. And he did a wonderful job, don't get me wrong, but you need a modern-day player. And there's nobody better than, than Joe Mauer, not only because of his athletic ability, but because of the person he is. So, I mean, he's taken over the reins. Now it's up to him and, and the Twins uh, to build a product here and to keep the product going and, and establishing something as their home field. 
Frank, this administration, uh, really the last decade since they started winning, has kind of reached out to the former uh, greats, haven't Have you felt more of that? Have you felt more like, come on up, we'll, uh, we want to have you around than you did a few years ago? Very much so, very much so. You know, and, and I had the opportunity to play with the Mets and the Red Sox, and, uh, you know, big market, what have you, but there's nothing like the Minnesota Twins. You know, they might be cheap in some ways, but you know what? The bottom not line anymore. is <laughs> not anymore. This is the biggest payroll they've ever had. Oh my goodness! But yes. I mean, what they've done as far as next players concerned and their families is is second to none. You know, they are tremendous as far as that. And and you're right. I look forward to everything that occurs here, and it's nice to be part of it. Did you uh, ever think you'd see anything like this in Minnesota? Nope. <laughs> nope. But I'm glad I did. Yeah. You know, but it's nice because the history. I told everybody, when that dome closed last year, after we won that play-in game, and the, and the, hist uh, the history was closed there. Mm -hmm. Now it's time for the 2010 team and beyond to make their own history, and I could be a fan of the game and just a fan of the Twins and watch them go from there. Frank, to go back to when you broke in, man, you guys were a bunch of kids just taking a whipping every night. Uh, I remember the great guy, Eddie Cote, quote in 82 was, every time you'd go to a town, they'd, they'd They'd say hapless twins in the story. He said, "I'm beginning to. Th I keep looking at my shirt to see if it says hapless twins on there." That was on the back. The twins. Were <laughs> but, to, but, have, to come around and win a World Series five years later, just uh, one of the amazing turns around turnarounds in sport. Well, you know, you, you talk about luck, everything else, but there's also a lot of talent involved, and we downplayed our talent, I think, a lot. But I think you're right. We were groomed, I believe. And correct me if you're wrong. You, you you covered us for a long time now. We were more groomed for the playoffs oh, sure. than we were for the regular season. Because mm -hmm. you had myself and Bert. And you had a great bullpen topping off with Jeff. You had a great lineup. Defense matched anybody's. And and the talent that we put out there for the, for the nucleus was incredible. And I think what made it special was TK always knowing that there were 25 guys on the team. And he made every one of those 25 guys feel like they were part of the team. And when you feel like you're part of the team, good things are going to happen. And it's followed through with Gaudi. Gaudi is the same way. If you're the 25th player on this team, you still feel like you're special in some regard. And other organizations you know, are not like that. I was. Uh, I had a good conversation with TK in spring training. We were talking about 87. You had a conversation with TK? Yeah, well, he was kind of really wow. relaxed down there. <laughs> but we were, uh, what I was saying was everybody remembers the World Series winning the World Series. And everybody remembers the trouble on the road during the regular season. What people don't remember is the five games you guys played against the Tigers was the best that team ever played for a five-game stretch in history. Gagne was out of his mind. Gaetti, Brunanski, it was amazing. Yeah, they peaked at the right time. You know, and that's the name of the game. It, it, it's, it's a long haul. To get to a, a, a small, you know, a small frame, and you got to take advantage of that small frame and work with it. And you know, we were able to do that. You know, things just fell into place. And the bottom line is, and you can see with the people here right now, that what made it more special winning that first championship was we did it as a team, but we did it as a as a as a whole group with the fan support. I mean, to this day, the, the second most special thing in my life was coming to that dome and seeing the 50-plus thousand <laughs> coming off the plane in Detroit. I mean, that was crazy. I mean, what other organizations would ever have that type of turnout for something yeah. like that? It was, always, it was amazing. I always tell the story. I was working for the St. Paul paper then, and there were about eight of us in the press box in Detroit and the, the Minneapolis paper had eight guys there, too. 
And we heard they were going to move the. They were going to have a little reception at the airport. A little reception. And then they said, "Ah, oh, we got to move it. They're going to maybe have 15,000 people." And then we were just wrapping up, and we got the report that the place was full, and the twins were a half hour away. And I said, "Boys, I think we might be in the wrong place, <laughs> <laughs> sitting in this empty press box in Detroit." But we got off that plane, and we started going up 35W. And I mean, there were cars parked to the side of the road. Everybody, it was like we, we were like we were like. On the road by ourselves, and everybody's waving, and the home of Hankies and everything else. It was, it was a great time. You know, it's something that you're never going to forget. You, uh, you of course, settled in Orlando, and uh, I'm sure because of all your fond memories of the great facility at Tinker Field. Did you, did you ever go by Tinker? <laughs> you want to hear something funny? I was a high school baseball coach for 10 years after I retired. Yeah. Guess where my home field was? <laughs> Tinker. <laughs> You talk and, about a dive. And that, I was going to say, that clubhouse wasn't oh adequate for a high school team. There were more rats living in there than the players themselves. <laughs> it was bad, but it was fun. You know, the, the history that we made there, and, and then the, the Twins moved to Fort Myers, you know. But, but you know, those are the lasting memories that we'll always have. You know, and it's it's funny to think, but I'm going to be 50 years old next week. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't I love to be like, 50? Where did all this stuff, where, where did everything go? No, you mentioned lasting memories. And last, maybe a half hour ago, Royce and I were talking about his experience as a 14-year-old at the Met in 1961. It's he so, remembers when he was 14? No, he, he made, he, I think I he made it all drinking, up. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't drinking yet. I think other people told him what happened. Okay, there you go. But it's weird that I, I came here today, and, and Corey Ruff said that Frankie V was going to be on the show. And I wrote a piece on 1500ESPN.com earlier this morning talking about some different childhood baseball memories. September 1993, Old Comiskey Park, the day before you pitched against the White Sox. And I wrote about Aaron Seeley buzzing George Bell high and tight twice in a row. Bell threw his helmet down, charged the mound, threw a punch at Seeley. Mulvon comes running in like the office <laughs> linebacker, takes out George Bell. I remember this. Ball. I was in left field wearing Cubs apparel at a White Sox stadium, getting heckled as an eight-year-old. And I remember you coming out of the dugout for whatever reason and uh, and maybe being a part of this melee. Oh, no, not me. <laughs> I was one of those guys in the background just say, talking to everybody when everybody hold else was back, fighting. Hold me yeah, back, hold me back. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> Frank, I do remember that, actually. Frank, your son's best buddy growing up was Zach Grinke, uh, and Zach had those problems where he went home, didn't know if he wanted to pitch. It had to be a great thrill for your family when he had the year he had last yeah, year. It really was. You know, a lot of people... People didn't know when he left. When he left Kansas City with that with the bout of depression, he came home and the first place he was at was our kitchen table when I came home, and he stayed with us for the first three days trying to figure out what he wanted to do, what was going on. He got to try. He got to proper help. Um, you know, my son. I give my son a hard time, but he was absolutely wonderful as Zach. Helped him along, got him to the point where he was able to get back to the big leagues, and the rest is history. I mean. The, the year he had last year was incredible. Number, numbers oh were my God. Uh, phenomenal. And, he, and, he, and that's, with a, that's with an, organi with a, with an organization that's <laughs> not real solid. So, you know, so it's nice to know that my son made a difference to somebody. You know, we got a player here that Frankie played with, Drew Butera. Oh, yeah. You know, that was my first coaching experience after my playing days, uh, AAU coaching, and Drew was one of my first players. And I, people are complaining that Drew can't hit, but I said, don't blame him, blame, blame Sal. <laughs> He's Genetics. not even here to defend himself. I Genetics. Told you, Sal did an amazing job. Def oh, wait a minute. Sal was a great defensive player. Yeah, that's what. Right. But, Sal, I mean, Andrew is a wonderful, wonderful defensive player. But you're right. Yeah, his, his little, little, little problems with the hitting. But you know what? If you have a lineup that you can take a kid like that, you know, you milk him along, pick and choose his spots. 
It'll we, be nice. We were talking earlier. TK was offended if his backup catcher could hit. He wanted to make sure. Tom Nieto, he wanted to make yep. sure the guy couldn't hit. So Drew Brutera fits that profile. <laughs> So what uh, What are the Twins got you doing? They got you making some appearances? You're just here watching no, the game. I was coming as a fan. Okay. And then all of a sudden now I guess I'm supposed to help put a banner up before the game at 1.30 and, and uh, go from there. Whatever they need, I'll do. You know, I, I, these guys have always been my family and anything I can do to help. Uh, well, my, uh, you know, you won game seven in 87 and uh, had a long, a good career with the Twins. Uh Jack Morris uh, pitched only one here, one year here, one game seven. It was people a pretty special a, game seven. People enough. got a lot of mad at him. I've always said, listen, if a guy's one game seven for you, he's a hero forever. <laughs> That's all that matters. And that might have been that might have been the best game seven ever pitched. Yep. I mean, that, Jack, was, that was an incredible game, Jack. Thank you, Frank. Good seeing you. Thanks Pat. for being here, Frank Very Viola. Nice and we will be back on 1500 ESPN, Ricey and Mackey. This is the home of sports talk, the new 1500 ESPN. And Mackey on 1500 ESPN, the launch of the new station today uh, and the new website, uh, 1500ESPN.com. And uh, Tom Pelissaro and uh, Phil Mackey doing a lot of the work on there. How awesome is Frank Viola? He's a great interview. Yeah, he's a. Uh, Shoots he's from a the hip more than yes, other he, players. He does. And uh, Frankie, I think, look it up, seven and what? 18 one year when he was first breaking in man oh yeah they were bad and they called they kind of rushed him up to the big leagues and then uh, johnny padres was his pitching coach and pod taught him that change up and he could throw three or four in a row to hitters and they still couldn't hit it how many times did you rip the crap out of frank viola and uh, have tension between you two before 1987 came oh around? frankie was a fairly sensitive lad yeah there was probably some things Bruno was the guy. I had a little trouble with Bruno when he'd get in his slumps, and uh, that, that all worked out in the end. I remember Bruno, and uh, they had the reunion in 97, I guess. It was the 10-year reunion, and uh, Tom Brunanski and I went to it, and it was after a Saturday night game. They had a tent uh, set up outside the Dome, and uh, I was talking to Andy McPhail, and Brunanski walked up to him, and apparently they hadn't seen each other since the trade. Yeah. And... Uh, and Andy kind of said something. He says, how, how are we doing, Tom? You know, what? And uh, so am I forgiven? He says, well, it's hard to for, forgive a guy who ruined your life. But Whoa, <laughs> it wow. was kind of like, Andy goes, ah. You, you know, that trade was uh, unexplainable to the masses when they trained. Uh, and early in the 88 season, they traded Bernanski, who was one of the boys, you know, Herbie's running mate and Gaetti's pal. And, uh, and uh, they traded him for Tommy Hur, the St. Louis second baseman, and, and to give him a two-hitter to balance the lineup yep. to get Lombardi Lombardozzi out of the lineup. But Tommy Hur, they couldn't get him. He hated it here. He wanted to be a National League guy. He uh, 
they couldn't get him out of the whirlpool. Well, it's Tom a, uh, Powers was covering ball for the St. Paul paper, then started referring to him as the Iron Horse, you know, and uh, her, and that, that trade was just turned into a disaster. Well, it's amazing because a lot of players are always going to give you the company line of it's just a business, I understand it, but, you know, inside those clubhouses, oh, that's yeah. not the case at all. Well, not only did it... Uh, hurt the ball club but it really hurt the chemistry i mean the chemistry i've always found overrated me too but i mean they were a gang you know they were a gang that was a club like you never saw before they'd gone through the hardships together and you know herbeck and gaetti go in the that little room off the manager's office and drink a little wild turkey and have a couple of beers after every game and dissect the game and come out and puck was raising hell in the clubhouse getting everybody stirred up and and Bruno was part of that, and it was a very unique operation. And then all of a sudden, Bruno was gone, and uh, a new grumpiness took over that team for quite some time. I don't think they allow wild turkey in this Target Field Twins clubhouse. No, I but don't think but so. if you listen to some of the new players, Orlando Hudson, John Roush, JJ Hardy, they've all said, and it's again, it's only a couple months into the uh, into the spring training and into the regular season, a week or so. But they all say the chemistry on this team is as good as it's been since any of them have been in the league. So that's a good sign on top yeah, of the fact that they hit a ton of home a, runs. It's not a terribly personable group. I mean, Maurer's low-key. Morneau's a nice guy, low-key. Cuddy's, Cuddy's a good guy. Cuddy's gotten better Cliché at the artist, But, uh, you know, he's a... But they don't have an... Until Orlando Hudson came along, I don't think they had an agitator. Have you watched this kind of field? Yes. He's patting everybody on the back, everybody that gets to second, he has a conversation with. Every time he gets done base, he has a conversation. He apparently has a talking problem. He like can't when shut Chad, up. Chad Allen used to talk to himself on the mm -hmm. field all the time, but yeah, he, it, it is pretty mellow. And Kevin Slowey and Scott Baker and... Nick Blackburn, they're all really soft-spoken. They're not going to give you much after games. I think maybe they have uh, good chemistry because they think they're going to win. And, well, the, uh, and, they, the, and the catcher signing is, I think the catcher signing has made them all think, wow, we might not have to leave here. <laughs> correct. There it's might a, be enough money here for all of us. And so. the Denard Span extension the, and the Blackburn extension, we can debate whether that's a good deal. But in the, in the clubhouse, and even going back to last year when they made the effort to make some trades, it's amazing what that does for team chemistry when, when they, they're given the perception that a front office is at least making the effort to uh, go out and do the right things and raise the payroll and go out and, and make trades at the deadline. Well, Morno and uh, who else were taking some subtle shots last July that they weren't doing anything to help, and then the, the moves they made, they probably ended up helping themselves more than anybody. And they're right, because the Twins have always been that, that cliched one player away since 2002, whether it's go out and you're hoping for a, a pitcher and you go out and you get Rick Reed back in 2003 yeah, or 2002. Yeah, that, that was an $8 million guy who, you know, he was... Which is $7 million was, too much, yeah, probably, that was an $8 time. million dollar guy who was, you know, had pitched very well for the Mets. And, you, you know, and he actually... He had one good year for the Twins. He he won a few games one year, right? Yeah, it might have been smoke and mirrors. You know, just behind Jim Tomey hitting a home run every time he faced them was uh, kind of an issue. Well, but you need a right-handed bat. You go out and you get Phil Nevin. You go yeah, out. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, that was. And that's the, been the perception until this year. Phil, uh, Phil maybe needed hospitalization. He was a goofy guy. Brett Boone. He Bre was goofier than Phil Nevin. Brett that Boone. Was, uh, Man, he was, he was on the squad for two months, probably had like ten hits, all singles to the right side of the infield. Uh, Concrete Han hands for, for a baseball glove. Suhan wrote something about him, and 
and I, he was on a road trip, and then I was in New York with the Twins on a road trip, and he couldn't find Sue Ann, Brett Boone, so I had to listen to him for 45 minutes after a game. I said, I got to get upstairs and write. I got to go here. What was he I'm saying? Not, oh, he was just airing out how unfair it was and blah, 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 and, you know. I, I was. Well, that's I remember trying to get away from him, saying, "I gotta go right here. I got deadlines." Well, that's what happens to... when you hit forty bombs two seasons in a row and then drop off the face of the you earth. Think and... there might have been any vitamins involved in those forty? Maybe some either. calcium pills. <laughs> Something. Yes. We'll be back, Ricey and Mackie here, and we'll be back with a Johnny Height Sports update in a couple of minutes. The place where sports talk got its start. The all-new fifteen hundred ESPN. Help me out here, boys. Who likes this music again? Uh, clearly, you and I think you and Sush picked out this playlist, <laughs> didn't you? Okay, who was that? Was that Inks? Uh, that was not Inks. I don't know what that uh, was. Wasn't that the, wasn't, wasn't that Muse? I'm not sure. Muse. I have to hear it again. Was it Muse? How, how many Muse and uh, Rage Against the Machine songs <laughs> do you have on your iTunes account, Pat? <laughs> Are you going to be tweeting about about, about uh, music? The new Miley Cyrus movie that came out a couple weeks ago? Uh, no, I miss that. Okay. Uh, Johnny Height with an update. Thank you, Patrick. It is partly sunny and 62 degrees today. Of course, the day all the hype's been about. Twins take on the Boston Red Sox in the inaugural home opener right here at Target Field, one of the most anticipated sporting events in Minnesota history. Carl Pavano on the mound for the Twins. John Lester will start for Boston. Twins went 5-2 and two on the season opening road trip, which ended yesterday with a 5-4 defeat in Chicago. They're Twins cheating. They're cheating. They shouldn't be able to start a left-hander against us, especially a good one <laughs> on the first game ever at Target Field, right? Yeah, that's maybe not fair. They should have oh. brought up Boof, maybe. That's right. Boof! The Twins say the two exhibition games played earlier this month gave them a chance to work out some of the kinks at the new ballpark. Team spokesman Chris Isles says a few changes were needed. We moved some of the concession stands to open up the flow of traffic in the main concourse here. We did some tweaks to the sound system to improve that. We also added quite a few bike racks. City of Minneapolis taking some steps to bike reduce racks, traffic good. congestion. You didn't ride your bike today, Patrick? No. Traffic signal timing changes have been made at more than 60 intersections to move higher volumes of cars. 20 traffic control officers are working the streets, and some parking restrictions and short-term street closures have been implemented. In case you missed it, the Wild ended their season with a 4-3 shootout loss against Dallas Saturday night at the X. The Wild finished in 13th place in the Western Conference. They amassed 84 points, 11 points out of playoff contention. There are at least two other dubious stats for the Wild this past year. They allowed a league record 13 shorthanded goals and they set a franchise record for 342 man games lost due to injury. Yeah, man games. We counted Pierre-Marc Bouchard 82 <laughs> times. Uh, and we know Pat loves man games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Authorities in Georgia announced today they will not charge Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback Ben Roethlisberger with the alleged sexual assault of a 20-year-old college student. He's loose, ladies and gentlemen. Lock up your daughters. He's loose. <laughs> student told police Roethlisberger Burger assaulted her last month at a nightclub in Milledgeville, Georgia. And what entertainment note? Conan O'Brien is headed to WTBS to host a late-night talk show. It'll debut in November. The network says the program will air Mondays through Thursdays, 10 p.m. Central. 
He couldn't have gotten $40 million from them, I can't imagine. I don't know what it was worth. We'll find out. Five Eyewitness News weather forecast. Uh, still a chance of a scattered shower. 50 overnight tonight. Morning showers tomorrow, otherwise partly cloudy. Hot and breezy. High tomorrow up to 76. Right now it is partly sunny. 62 degrees at 1500 ESPN. Thank you, John. So where did your limo drop you off today since they're not letting anyone park here this time around? I, uh... I actually parked in Ramp A, but I uh, have never been in Ramp A before because I always, for the Timberwolves, oh, yeah. talk in Ramp B. So I didn't know if you went in the right side, if you went in the left side, you couldn't break through the fence to park right over here. So I'm down by First Avenue where I walk. Now, we, I, 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 I think we're going to have parking spots. We just had an email. We're going to be parking behind somewhere around the Ford Center, so we, we might have to take a half lap around the stadium. I to believe get here. we're going to have to use our good looks to get into that. Uh, what what is that Gate Three back there? Is that Harmon's Gate? Yes, down there. Is that the one where the Skyway leads you in through the Ramp A parking lot? If line? I tell them that I know Harmon Killebrew and used to cover him, will they let me well, in? Well, actually, I think if you bring some of these Roycey three by sixes <laughs> in and just say, "I know this guy," That's, that, that might be, be my it. strategy. That, that could be it. Maybe Burn. they'll let me in. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that'd be, uh, if you get here early enough, I guess parking's not, it'll be interesting to see how a weekday parking situation went, won't it? Hey, what are your thoughts so far quickly on the Twins lineup's ability to hit a three-run bomb literally anywhere one through eight Well, so uh, yeah, that was fun in, Ch in L.A., but they hit one lousy home run in Chicago. Yeah, Let's it's not cold get weather. That's Let's give it a I second. didn't think they played that well in Chicago, frankly. Those two games, it was nice to tough out a couple of games Friday and Saturday, but those were some ugly ball games. Not playing-wise, I guess it was just cold and miserable and it need, nobody could get a big hit for either team. Yesterday was a nice, crisp, fun ball game. Unfortunately, they uh, got beat, but uh, well, we'll uh, there's going to be some power that's but the, how many home runs they hit last year, Phil? We're in the big number, right? Yeah, they were in the top ten for sure. Uh -huh. Probably somewhere around eighth in the big leagues yeah, we'll in, in home runs. Yeah, what the number was. They hit some home runs last year. They're going to hit more home runs this year than they did last year, though, because you know J.J. Hardy's going to come in. Orlando Hudson's going to give you 10 or 12 by the time the season's over. Jim Tomey will give you 15 to 20 that weren't there last year, and so on. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back on uh, Ricey and Mackey. What's everyone yelling about? The home of sports talk. The all-new 1500 ESPN. We're ready here. Ricey and Mackey were at the ballpark outside gate 29. It's uh, still a nice sunny day. No sign of that rain they're predicting Don't yet. Don't jinx it like that. Come on now. Man, what we're still heck? two hours away from for, or maybe no, an hour and a half no, now. No, hour and a half, yeah. Jim Mandalero covers the Rochester Red Wings, the Twins AAA Farm Club. Uh, in the International League. He covers it for the Rochester Democrat Chronicle. Jim, it hasn't been a flying start for our Red Wings. Well, you know what? The goal, Patrick, they're starting out with a nine-game road trip, and they said if they could hover around 500, they'd be happy. They're 2-2. Two and two. Um, They come back Saturday for the home opener at Frontier Field. So, uh, yeah, uh, they didn't do much against Dice K on Saturday, but they're <laughs> holding their own and uh, feeling each other out, new manager, a lot of new players. 
Uh, what uh, you got a couple of wily veterans there, Jack Jones and Jason Repko. But who are the kids that uh, we might be getting excited about? Wilson Ramos, obviously. Yeah, actually, it's, it's funny. The uh, the top prospects are struggling out of the gate. It's very early. Uh, Ramos is one for ten. Um, he's never played at AAA before. And Danny Valencia, the third baseman, um, who you know obviously many think is going to be the Twins' third baseman, he's one for eleven. Uh, Swarzak has struggled in the opener. He's got a 15 ERA, but you know it's it's so early. Um, Jones is uh, doing well. He's hitting 500. He's got a home run. Jock Jones um, and uh, Slama and uh, Kyle Waldrick each have a save, and I think that's the way it's going to go with Tom Nieto this year. He's going to try to use both of those guys in save situations. Uh, you've you've seen Trevor Plouffe before. Do you do you like him at all as a player? I, you know, I thought he had a tough year last year. He had 26 errors. And then I noticed he's 23 years old right now. Um, I think he's got promise. Um, I probably liked him better a couple years ago. Uh, No one on the team has an error through four games. That's a good sign. Uh, Yeah, I think Trevor's got to have a good year this year. He's kind of, at 23, believe it or not, I think he's kind of on the spot to have a a good year. So, uh, I can't say I was a big fan of his defense last year, but hopefully that's improved. Jim, I've always wondered, do minor league teams, now they're not going to outwardly tell you that we're more concerned about developing players than actually winning games, but um, just compare and contrast the importance of winning games and the importance of actually developing players and trying to filter players into the the actual uh, 25-man roster. I want to ask Terry Ryan where that ranked, winning in AAA. And, you know, as you know, Terry's a pretty straight shooter. He said it's about fifth on the list, and he said, I'm not kidding you. And, you know, obviously winning at the, at the major league level is number one, and developing's above it, too. I think developing is what it's about, and if they can win, you know, you'd love to have a player come to the Twins that's had a championship season or that knows what it's like to be in a winning atmosphere, but I've seen so many situations where guys are playing out of position for purely development purposes or where guys are throwing pitches they probably would never throw in the major leagues because they're working on pitches. It's, it's really about development, and uh, the winning is the icing on the cake. Uh, Jim Mandelero covers the Twins AAA Farm Club, the Red Wings, for the Rochester newspaper. Jim, you've been doing this for quite a while. Yeah, 20 years. I really? I was 10. Really, 20 years of... This is my 20th year, believe it or not, and my first year uh, was Mike Mucina's first year at AAA when we were with the Orioles. So, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of crept up on me. Was he as condescending as a young youth, as as a youngster, as he became later in his career? Well, let me tell you, Mike Mucina graduated in three and a half years at Stanford, (laughs) and if you don't believe me, just ask him. (laughs) Yeah, he is a beauty. Yes, he was. He He was was. a beauty. uh, You know, a great pitcher, but kind of a snob. I have to to be honest about that. How Repco Repco hasn't played yet. It's kind of interesting. He he only had two at-bats for the last three weeks of spring training. He has not played yet, and Matt Tolbert, of all people, is playing center field for the Red Wings. That wow. could speak uh, poorly for Alexi Casillas' chances to Big stick time. around if uh, <laughs> if they're trying to get Tolbert to, uh, you know, to learn to play the outfield as well yeah, as exactly. everything else. Because Casillas only on the club. He didn't do anything this spring, and he's only on the club because he's out of options. Yeah, exactly. And deep in his heart, I think uh, Manager Gardner likes Tolbert better than he likes uh, Casillas. Well, that makes two of us. 
<laughs> As a player, we're talking about well, I just here. I think he's a gamer. I just think Tolbert, you know, he might be, AAA might be his, his, his high point, you know, but he's a gamer, and I think that's what he likes about Punto, obviously. But, no, Tolbert, I, I like him at this level. I think he's a good ball player. He's a very gritty ball player. How's the relationship between Red Wings ownership and the uh, Twins? A couple of years ago, they wouldn't send you any players when you were uh, shorthanded, and I know that became a bit of a controversy. <laughs> Is, are things a little better now? Uh, you know what? It was a controversy probably created mostly by me. Well, you were right, by the way. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, just one night they they had to have uh, Danny Graves, the pitcher, was batting, and I just said, you know, I, I mean, come on, if you're going to rate them, and, and we're here to serve the Twins, no doubt about it, but, you know, then maybe Double A might be here to serve us. Um, they're due for uh, a renewal. I have urged the Red Wings not to renew too soon, only because that happened two years ago. They renewed in April and, and then were kind of forgotten the rest of the year. But the, twin, the Red Wings front office loves the Twins front office, and they are great people to work with. Um, my only thing is I, I would hope they would sign a couple more free agents in AAA each year as the money maybe expands at Target Field and they have more of a revenue, and that they do remember, not to leave them shorthanded, they, they've had, uh, in AAA you have a 24-man roster. We've had 21 guys at times. And I just would like to see them fully stocked. But I have no doubt they'll renew for another couple of years. Uh, when uh, Sergio Santos came in there as an emergency infielder a couple of years ago, you probably didn't think you'd see him pitching against the Twins two years later. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> I, you know, I, it really is remarkable uh, how that emergence has come about. But, no, I, I didn't see that. Uh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> but he does have a power arm, that's for sure. Yeah, he does. Hey, back to the uh, outfield question. I, it's a two-part question. Number one, have you seen Matt Tolbert actually throw from center field yet and uh, try and gun somebody down? And number two, my question, what's what's the point of having Jock Jones in AAA taking up at-bats every day if he's not going to be playing center field? Well, Jock's only played two games, actually, out of the four. Okay. Uh, I have not seen Tolbert throw from center field yet. They've been on the road, and I'm not on that road trip. Um yeah, I was shocked to see Tolbert at center field, of all people. Um, I thought he'd be at second base. Luke Hughes has been at second base. Valencia's got a lock on third base. And it was interesting. You mentioned Jones. Um, you know, Obviously, you guys know him far better than me. He was, uh, I can't say unpleasant, but just very button-lipped when we interviewed him last week and would not say anything. You know, We asked him, uh, does he have a timetable? I'm just here to play hard. Uh, does he have an out in his contract? I'm just here to play hard. And um, anything we asked him, that was I felt like I was interviewing Mark McGuire on, uh, on, the <laughs> on steroids. Uh, Jim Mandalero is with us. Jim, uh, Rochester, nice uh, one of those nice urban ballparks that have popped up all over Class A. Did they Have they had to do any upgrading on it, or is it uh, still a pretty classy uh, facility? Frontier Field is in its 13th year, and two years ago they put a brand-new field in, which is really nice. Because for years, the big bone of contention was that the team shared the field with a professional soccer team. And the Red Wings would go away for an eight-game road trip and come back, and the infield was torn up, and you literally would see the soccer lines painted on the field. It was ugly. And uh, then they shared it with a lacrosse team as well. And there was one night I went there, and the umpires considered not playing. The field was unplayable. Um, and every time the soccer team would go on, would uh, play, uh, the Red Wings would go on the road. They would have to take the mound off to make it a level field for soccer and then rebuild the mound. 
So the, the Rochester Rhino soccer team have their own stadium now. Things are a lot better at Frontier Field. I think the Twins are very happy with it. And uh, it is downtown. It's very nice. And they do have a, a two-year-old infield. So I think the Twins are happy about that. And the Rochester Tech phenomenon uh, came to kind of a crushing halt there in the national <laughs> semifinals. Uh, we Jim. get such a kick that everybody calls them that because they are never called that here. They're <laughs> simply R.I.T. Okay. <laughs> Headlines well, the, the everywhere insiders. Rochester Tech. But how about that story? I mean, <laughs> there's a team five years into, into Division One with no scholarships, and they, uh, and they make it. And seeing what happened in the championship game, I can't imagine what BC would have done to them because Wisconsin really whipped them. Are you still carrying Oklubja or not? Am I what? Are what you I'm still uh, Kevin Oklubja? Are you still doing all the work and he's taking all the praise, or did he of leave course. you? But the joke is Kevin uh, fills in for me at times on uh, the Red Wings beat, and he, he claims it's every Saturday night. I don't think that's true. Maybe every other. <laughs> okay. But uh, I think after 20 years I've earned a couple of nights off. But, no, Kevin does a great job, and he was in his glory covering the Frozen Four there in Detroit. Uh, say hello to him for me, will you? And thank you, sir. I sure will, Patrick. Thanks. Jim Mandalero from the Rochester paper. You want to know what's going on with the Red Wings, uh, get a hold of him. We'll be back on Ricey and Mackey here on 1500 ESPN. The new 1500ESPN.com, your online home for sports talk. I don't know. This, Phil, uh, these photos here, they make me look a little bald. Well, I, 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 I had say, more I hair. Say this <laughs> makes you look a little bald up here. <laughs> that could be it. The I sunshine. Don't know. That's why. The nice why do you thing think... about that is when people ask me to sign them, I can sign them right on the forehead. Well, why do you think I'm wearing sunglasses? <laughs> I can't see with the glare coming off your forehead. All righty, Phil uh, Mackey is with us, and during the ball game, probably starting when. Uh, 3 o'clock-ish, live chat. 3 o'clock-ish, we do a live chat at 1500ESPN.com. It's going to feature... It'll feature... I don't even know yet, but I'll be typing and talking to people with Tom Pelissero. Joe Anderson's going to be on there. And uh, you can basically just come in the door, 1500ESPN.com for three hours all game long and uh, chat with us. And now our audience would know how a live chat works. See, we don't have to explain Well, now this. that our audience is, is skewing toward, what's it? <laughs> it's the average age is now 45 uh, between the two and of half, us. 44 and a half. Yes. Okay. We might have some good. live tweeting in the mix, too. We'll All right. See. We had the uh, poker tournament, the uh, Minnesota Poker Tour event at Running Aces. This weekend, uh, you, and you uh, kept shot. you up all night. Uh, you uh, you didn't get much sleep. Uh, how did that go for you? You missed your shot, Aces? man. We had, we had 183 entrants for the main event at Running Aces, a two-day main event this weekend. The winner, Joe Matheson, took home $51,000, and, and you could have had that $51,000. Joe's just an amateur. Uh, have you seen him before? Joe, Is he playing no, most of them? No, there's a lot of really good professional-type players who play in these local events, but there's also a lot of just regular guys, and he got in on a $90 qualifier and turned it into $51,000. So if I pay 90 bucks, I have to get through a first qualifier, then a second qualifier? And, and then you get how in. many? How much? How many winning poker hands do I need to get to the last table if I started off for ninety bucks? Depends on how good of a bluffer you are. Patrick. <laughs> but it takes some time, 
And uh, out of 183, you finished where? Uh, I finished 26th for okay. $1,200. So now, not would, quite would as the much. Field, uh, would your field of competitors resent it if you or your partner were to win? Uh, I think that's a bridge we'll cross when we come to it, but I doubt <laughs> it because we are, we're, like the, we're like the Don Kings of the local poker circuit. We don't actually... We don't actually profit off the tournament. We uh, are the promoters of the tournament. So it, it was actually the longest major poker tournament in Minnesota history, 21 hours over two days this last weekend. So pretty cool and, event. And uh, you, you uh, made it to a final table of 12. How many tables feed into the tw uh, into the final table of 10? Of 10. You so there's 10 tables that so what, feed into one table? So what happens is with 183 players, you start off with 19 tables, and then okay, they keep them full. Keep, they yeah. keep them full, and they just reduce them down until you get down to the final person. With well, while you were playing poker on a beautiful, gorgeous uh, Sunday, I was also indoors watching the Masters. And I'm a little upset about everyone trying to tell me how well Tiger played because he was 11 under and how great Phil was because he was 16 under. They turned that place into a cupcake. So they moved the tee boxes up. They didn't make the greens rock, rock hard. They wanted birdies and eagles on Sunday. They've heard so much about how the roars are gone from Augusta National on Sunday. Well, what they did by making it so soft, they got some of those roars back, but they took away the danger. They, you know, part of the fun at Augusta was one guy could make three and the next guy could make seven. You couldn't make seven. It was really soft. It's the easiest I've ever seen Augusta play. And uh, Tiger, all you have to know is Tiger hit the ball as poorly as he could hit it yesterday and was uh, shot 69, which you, that's, that's no more, no comment. Just, are, you, are you in the camp that feels like par. every major should be a grind just to get under par no, after four days, though? But I think it should be uh, difficult. Uh, uh, 13 and 15, Phil, are already basically glorified par fours, and then to move the tees up, to make it even easier was uh, ridiculous. That said, Phil Mickelson might have hit the best shot I ever saw on 13 when he was in the trees, hit it out of the trees, carried the creek by a creek by about two feet, and uh, nestled it up there about four feet away. And of course, missed the putt for eagle, but made the next one. Did you hear the press conference afterwards when somebody asked him to describe? Just talk about that shot on 13, and he looks at the reporter and he goes, "Well." I was uh, about three feet behind a tree. I hit it 206 yards to within three feet of the hole. <laughs> and he just yes. smiled at him. And, of course, I've never been the biggest Phil fan because uh, I think he's kind of a pain in the rear end. But the uh, scene of his wife, who obviously has been beat up pretty good when you see the, you know, you, you see how gingerly she was walking around and being helped around. And uh, to see her uh, out there after they said she was basically bedridden all week uh, because of her cancer treatments, uh, to come out there and give him the big old hug around the 18th green, that was, uh, that was pretty good. Yeah, Rick Riley took, I don't know if I agree with the angle he took on ESPN.com with his article. He basically drew parallels between Tiger's failed marriage and personal life and how Phil Mickelson has 
the exact opposite situation and being faithful and has a wife who's well, suffering from cancer. Well, Phil is, uh, you know, Phil certainly any, you know, the pink cancer I'm sure has changed his, uh, you know, Phil used to like to go to Las Vegas and gamble, but I'm sure he's kind of uh, toned that down uh, since his wife became, uh, you know, ill. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, to me, it's it's a cheap shot Do you to feel go after Tiger that way. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's plenty of other ways to go after him, but to say you're not as good a human being as Phil Mickelson because Phil Mickelson has a great emotional connection to his wife who is battling uh, very serious breast cancer. Uh, I mean, something they obviously haven't got into remission. That's kind of a cheap shot, don't you think? I think it is fair to take Tiger aside just just on his own and say that I'm not sure we saw a lot of those personality changes that he was talking about. He still seemed a bit arrogant and curt with the press. He was he curt still at the was end, yeah. spouting off, and you could tell he was he, he was definitely dropping a few F-bombs here and there, but it maybe wasn't as excessive as it has been in past years. All righty, uh, Ricey and Mackey, we've been at the ballpark. Suits will be here for a quick little sports talk and a, still a gorgeous day, and uh, let's play ball. Let's do it. All righty.